This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Tonight, as we dive into the Word, we're going to be discovering the topic of honoring in your relationships, honoring your spouse, honoring in marriage. Yeah. (laughs) And I know this can kind of make us all feel different emotions, you know, right? Some of us in the room, we're in an amazing relationship and we just cannot wait to wake up with that person every morning, right? It's good. You guys got those warm, fuzzy feelings. It just sounds so exciting to talk about honoring your spouse, right? Yes. Others of us in this room were saying, you know what? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about honoring my spouse. How do I honor my spouse? What does that look like? We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what the word of God says. We're going to talk about it. Some of us in this room say, you know what? I'm not there yet. I, I'm not married. I hope to be, but I'm not, not, not yet. And so we just want to pray and believe God's blessing on your life for your future spouse and what God has in store for you. But tonight, we just want to dive in to talking about honor. And you can learn from this too. You can grow in this. But at the same time, this is definitely going to impact you and you'll see why. Because it's not just about our personal relationship with our spouse, but it's also a heavenly perspective that we're going to look at tonight. And so that's why it's going to pertain to all of you. All of you are going to come from different backgrounds, different, you know, walks down the aisle, if you will. And so, you know, some of you might even say, you know, I have walked down the aisle two, three, four, five times. I've been married a couple times. And maybe, you know what, maybe looking back, you could say, you know what, we didn't really honor each other in our relationship. And so let's just go ahead and open up in prayer. God, we come to you today, God, and we just ask that you would anoint your word, God, that it would not be my words, God, but that would be your holy word, God, that would be here, God, that you would just open eyes, you would open ears, you would open hearts to receive your word and exactly what you want to say to your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I know that this is a a pretty serious topic, right? But I also know that it's a serious topic because the enemy, the devil, is against marriage. He's against unity. He's against family. And even tonight as we were worshiping, I heard just a bell go off in my spirit. And it was like a bell of a boxing match. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, get ready, because the next round's coming. You've had some punches come. You've had some punches come to your family. You've had punches come to your relationships. Punches have come to this nation, but the rounds are not over yet, and we know what happens in the final round, right? Amen. Well, one thing is for certain, marriage is a setup. It is a type shadow of heaven's and God's relationship with his people. He says, I will be your God, and you will be my people. So let's dive into what the Bible has to say about marriage, and specifically honor. It all starts in Genesis, the very beginning. He says, I created them male, ish, and female, isha. And it says, after he created them, he said, it was good. I just want to pause right there, and I just want to say, if you were created male, God created you. 
as male, and it is good. I want to say if you were created as a female, your creator created you to be a female, and he said, you are good. You are good. You were knitted and you were formed in your mother's womb by your creator, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Let's take a look further in Genesis. Verse, uh, let's see, Genesis 2. It says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and he closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman. Woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So if you didn't get that, let's just say this. There's Adam. Out of him comes Eve. Later on, a man and a woman come together, and they become what? One. One flesh. That's why it was ordained by God. Covenant marriage was ordained by God. Ephesians, it goes on to say in chapter 5, 21, instructions for our households as believers, as Christians. Verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church his body, and himself is Savior. Next. <laughs> there you go. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with his word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Amen. Amen. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two, again, shall become what? One. That's right. Amen. The two shall become one. So good. I mean, don't you guys just think that's pretty amazing? I mean, when you think about it, that God came up with this plan, that God created this, aren't you glad we don't have to be alone? Aren't you glad that God created us to be in relationship, that he created us to be in community? What words do we see within this passage? How do we spell honor? Well, the main words I see in this, in this scripture verse here is submit, love, respect, are you submitting your needs and preferring your partner? It makes me think of when Jason and I first got married. Um, we've been married for 16 years come this July. And yeah. And when we first got married, I remember tickling Jason's back. And this is kind of silly, but it's real, right? I'm tickling his back and I'm thinking, oh, he's going to love this. He's going to just be relaxed. 
He's going to go to sleep, and he's going to think I'm the greatest. But guess what? He didn't like it. He was like, why don't you scratch my back? Like, I, I need some strength. Like, none of this tickly stuff. And then he would tickle, or I'm sorry, he would scratch my back. And he would just get in there and just, oh, and I was just like, oh, this is torture. What are you doing? And it took us a while to realize, you know what? We were doing for each other what we wanted for ourselves. And so now we got a good laugh about it, and then we realized, you know what? Let's flip this around, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to submit to you and your needs and what you like, and even though it might not be what I like, I'm going to make sure that I find out what you like and find out what your partner likes and, and, and do that and walk into that. And it, then it becomes less about, right, self, less about me, and more about your partner, more about your spouse. Another example of that is I am definitely a planner in a lot of areas of my life, but when it comes to my personal life, not so much. I like to just let go and have fun. That's the one area where I like to just be adventurous and spontaneous and just go for it. So when I just say, hey, let's go to Disneyland this week, you know, Jason might not exactly like that. Jason is a planner. And so I learned early on in our relationship that if I wanted to do things, I had to plan ahead, weeks ahead, months ahead, years ahead. And so sometimes that was not so fun for me because, like I said, I always am planning, and the last thing I want to do for my personal life is plan. And so we've had to come to an agreement. We've had to come into relationship to submit our own needs and our own selfish desires, right, of what we want to help each other. So just this last, you know, what was it, December, I turned 40, and yeah, woo-woo, Jason surprised me and he took me to California for my birthday. And so awesome. It was great. It was wonderful. But guess what? I didn't have to plan it. He planned it and I got the surprise. So he still knows I like surprises. And so he goes out of his way to surprise me. So it goes both ways, right? Yeah. Yes. Amen. We love that. Amen. Well, we all have different love languages, right? If you haven't heard, this is a great book. It's called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Um, a lot of you have heard of it, but if you haven't and you're in relationship, it is a great book. I recommend it. And it just talks about the different ways we, as creations of God, have different love languages. Some people have this thing where they need quality time with their partner, right? They feel honored when they get quality time for their partner. Other people, they just need words of affirmation. Anybody out there need to be affirmed? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Other people, they just love gifts. They're like, you know what? I don't care about any of that. Just give me a present. Acts of service. You know what? You know, I'd, love, I'd love a massage. I'd love you to clean my house for me. I'd love you to go take my car and clean my car. <laughs> physical touch. So this is a great book. I just recommend it. If you don't know what your partner's love languages are, I highly encourage you to find out and then do everything in your power to make sure that you're doing those things to help your relationship. Yeah. Well, again, in Ephesians, we saw here submit, love, and respect. And the next one we saw was love. Are you being loving in your relationship? Think about that for a minute. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, 
Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Are you rude to your partner? Does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Are you irritable? Are you resentful? It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things. That's love. Don't you want somebody to love you like that? Yeah. Respect. Yeah? Respect. There's a song about it. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Amen. Yeah, tell me what it means. The dictionary says it is a feeling of deep admiration for someone by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. Do you admire your partner? Do you tell them how and why you admire them? You should. Think about it. And sometimes this is uncomfortable for us, right? We have to get outside of ourselves and outside of the things we normally want to do um, or even maybe think about. Let's take a look next at covenant. An agreement, a contract. When you get married, you walk down the aisle, you sign a marriage certificate. It brings about a commitment between two people that say, we will stay together till death do us part. It's also a relationship and a commitment between God and his people. Covenant is commitment to the institution of marriage. Hebrews 13.4 tells us, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. You want to mess up your relationship? Mess this up and it'll happen pretty fast. Honor each other in covenant with your bodies. Lay together. Lay together. Be intimate together. Don't withhold your bodies from each other. Lay your lives down for each other as to honor one another. Now, how does marriage come into play with Christ and the church as we go back to Ephesians 5.32? Ephesians 5.32 said, This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. With Christ's life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection, Jesus became the living embodiment of the bridegroom and a faithful husband who was willing to give up his life for the ones that he loved. That's you. You're the ones that he loved. Jesus is the groom, and the church represents the bride of Christ. Scripture also promises a final reunion between Jesus and his bride, the church. When Christ returns in the prophesied second coming, he will celebrate with his bride at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and the two will become one, and they will be united forever. Amen. That's worth clapping about. Are you prepared for this? Have you prepared for your spouse in the physical? When you prepare to go on a date night, ladies, do you curl your hair? Do you put your makeup on? Do you put your, the outfit you know your, your partner really likes? Men, do you take a shower? <laughs> no, you guys look good. I know you guys do. And you, you guys prepare by the husbands. They reach out. They make a reservation for a nice restaurant, right? You prepare. In the same way, we need to prepare for our spiritual coming of the bridegroom. 
Amen. The bride is prepared. She's a prepared church, and the bride celebrates from a place of rest, not striving. Not in a panic, oh no, I didn't make that reservation for our date night. Because you love your bride. Because you know you want to bless and you want to honor the bride. In the same way, we should be ready, we should be prepared for the king who's coming back for us. Are you spending time with your spouse? Do you have priority of presence? Do you retreat together? Do you get away together? Do you have quality time together? Do you know each other intimately? Do you have intimacy with one another? Do you pray for one another? These are all great things that can show honor to one another and strengthen our relationships. And then again, do you spend time with the bridegroom, Jesus? Do you have a priority of presence? Do you retreat? Do you go into your secret place with him? Do you have quality time with him? Do you know him intimately? And do you pray and do you talk to him? Revelation 19, 7 and 8 says, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has been made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. She's got her fine linen garments on, right? Makes me think of some weddings there's referred to as bridezillas because they go above and beyond to prepare, right? They want everything perfect. They want this, you know, the cake and the wedding dress that they've thought about since they were five years old. And it goes on and on and on. And some people just take it to the extreme, right? But as Christians, as believers, as the bride of Christ, we're called to be prepared to make ourselves pure and holy and blameless before the Lamb because of his righteousness. Another story in the Bible puts it like this in Matthew, verse 25. It says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Are you a sleeping bride? Wake up. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. And then all of those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. We're not prepared. Oh, no. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. The door was shut. I'm going to say that again. The door was shut. And it needs to hit home. Are you prepared? But the wise answered, saying, Since... There will be no enough for us, both of you. Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Oh, door was shut. Go back, Liam, one more. Thanks, bud. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. 
I guess God really wants this to hit home tonight. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him, and the marriage feast, and the door was what? The door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Are you prepared? Do you honor your spouse? Do you respect and submit to your spouse like Christ laid down his life for you as his bride? It's not about what you can do. It's not about your holiness or your purity or your righteousness, but it's about receiving the grace of salvation that he's laid before us. It's about saying yes to the king, to the bridegroom. Today, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, a day when the king of kings came and he rode on a lowly donkey and the people cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to the king of kings. Hosanna, in Hebrew and Aramaic, it means save us. Can you believe that? They shouted, save us, as he came in on a donkey. They didn't even realize what they were doing. Save us, save us. Isn't that our cry to the bridegroom that he would save us? Isn't that the cry to your husband as a woman? Save us, save me. And that's what the church did in that moment. He went on to the cross and he paid the ultimate price and he submitted himself in the deepest of love more than anyone could ever do. It's truly the greatest love story that's ever been told. Ever told. Ever told. Amen. So in closing, I want to go ahead and just take a few moments to pray for those of us in this room, those of us watching online that might say, you know what, I feel like I want to honor more in my marriage. I want to honor my spouse. I know this is a type shadow of heaven and heaven's relationship with the church, and I want to do better because Christ has set such a great example how I can submit, how I can love, how I can respect my spouse. And so we just want to see your marriages, we want to see your families blessed and restored, and so we just speak that over to you today. So let's go ahead and God, we just come to you, and if there's anybody in this room, God, that would like to have more honor in their relationship, that would like to submit in a new way, that would like to love in a new way. God, that would like to learn respect in a new way towards their spouse. God, that you would just touch their hearts, God, that you would give them the words to say, God, that you would give the actions for them to act upon so that they can grow in their relationship together in strength and in love and in purity and unity in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. And next, I want to pray for anyone in this room that says, you know what, I, don't, I really, I've never heard this picture before of the, the groom, the bridegroom, and the body, the church. And I don't know if I'm part of that body. I don't know if I'm part of that church. But I want to be prepared. I want to be prepared for the coming of the king. When he comes back on the white horse, instead of a lowly donkey, he's coming back on a white horse, and I want to be prepared I want to be part of that bride, of that church that comes back into unity with him. And if that's you, I just ask that you would repeat after me. 
Jesus, Lord, Savior, King of Kings, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for creating the greatest love story ever told. Thank you, Father God, that you died on the cross for my sins, God. I receive you, God. I receive the blood that you shed for me. And I thank you for dying for me so that I might have life, so that I might walk in fine linens, purified as your bride, clothed in white linens, in holiness and in righteousness before you, God. And so we thank you now that when you come back for us, you'll be coming back for a prepared bride, a bride that's shining and illuminating with the light of God's glory because he is with us us and he is in us. And so we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. That was good. That was so good. If that was you tonight, you made that decision to go all in with Jesus, we'd love to know about it so that we could come alongside you and support you in your journey as you begin to follow Jesus. If you made that decision online or listen to this message Reach out and let us know. You can go to CourageousChurch.com slash connect. You can fill out that digital connect card. But tonight we're going to take communion. There's no better picture than the Lord wanting to commune with us as we commune with him. The word communion means common unity. It's the invitation for you and I to bring our lives into common unity with Christ. And like Candace just said, it's a great mystery, right? This union of Christ with his bride, the church. That's us. So men, you get to be the bride for a day, okay? All right? So just put on your wedding dress. It's going to be okay. (laughs) But I want to read a passage of scripture that I think really frames for us the invitation tonight. And as the worship team begins to prepare, we're going to sing a song. And uh, we're not just going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to enter into communion with him. But here's what the Apostle Paul said to his church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He says, for I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. You see, church, the heartbeat of God is that what he gives us wouldn't stop with us, but that it would be extended to those around us, to the next generation, to those that are, come on, coming down the the trail a little bit further behind us. And I think sometimes we, we take our salvation a little too personal. What do I mean by that? Meaning that God's interested in saving you, but he's also, he's also interested in saving the people around you. And that includes your family and your loved ones and your friends and those that are throughout this valley. And so in just a moment, we're going to pray a prayer for those that are scattered throughout this valley that need to know the hope of Jesus that we have. And he says, I have received this so that I could pass it on to you. And here it is, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread And in just a moment, we're going to take the bread. And then when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance for me. Jesus gave his body for us. He allowed it to be pierced and bruised and whipped and put through the worst kind of suffering that a human body could be put through because of love because he loves you, because he loves me. And in the same way, after they ate, they took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me.
See, Jesus came to institute a new covenant. And what we're thankful for about this covenant is that God takes it upon himself to enter into this covenant, to bind us to himself. And he's not a God that breaks his promises. He's not a man that he should lie. When he says, I do, he means it. And for some of you that maybe come from blended homes or broken families, or you, the children of a divorce, or maybe you've gone through one yourself, I want to encourage you tonight. He's not a God who breaks his promises. When he stands at that altar of covenant with you and says, I do, he means it. And how do I know? Because he gave his own blood. Because he was willing to sign the document with his son's blood. There's no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for others. And that's what Jesus did. And he did so to bring about a new covenant. A new covenant. A covenant that wraps up everything that was involved in the old and brings it into the new and fulfills it and refreshes it in every way. And here's the cool part. He didn't ask for you to show up on time. He didn't ask for you to get your act together. He didn't ask for you to clean yourself up. He didn't ask for you to save yourself. He didn't ask for you to do a whole bunch of good works. Now, he took the first step. He took the initiative. He said, I do, before you even were born. Let that blow your mind. The Bible says in Romans, while we were yet sinners, he died. Christ died for us. He gave his blood for this covenant. So we don't do this lightly. We don't do this as a, as a mere ritual. We're not just going through the motions. You know, we don't do this uh, to experience some kind of mystical higher buzz. That's not what we're doing this for. We're doing this in remembrance and remembering and, and coming together as individual members of the body of Christ. We're coming together with him. And we're doing this in anticipation for the day when our bridegroom will return, like Candace talked about tonight, and we'll see the marriage supper of the Lamb, we'll see his kingdom consummated, we'll see the world put to rights, there'll be no more evil, there'll be no more sin, he'll wipe away every tear, come on, there'll be healing for the nations, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, oh you guys, it's going to be so good. I like to party, but we don't, haven't seen the kind of party that God has in store for us. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can fully know all that he has put in store for those who love him. So I wonder if that's your heart tonight. Do you love him? And if so, let's do this in remembrance of him. And he says that when you do this, when you eat this bread and when you drink this cup, as we're about to do, you proclaim the Lord's death until until he comes. What a promise. What an invitation. Can you stand your feet tonight? And so tonight we're going to do things a little differently. I've asked Tim and Stephen, two of our great team members, to serve you. That's right. We're not worried about COVID or coronavirus anymore. I even told Tim, we joked about it before service, man, it'd be great to get some real bread again. You know what I'm saying? Just a big loaf of sourdough, but apparently flour is hard to get and prices are a little outrageous right now. So we're going to stick to what we got. But come on, we do this in remembrance of our Lord and Savior and King Jesus, who will come again, who will come again. And so we're thankful for that tonight. And so I'm going to ask Jen to lead us in this song, Hosanna, how fitting. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.